Bibi Fahodier, welcome to the African Liberation Media Podcast. Media solely focused on the liberation and empowerment of African people. I'm your host, Gullah Jack, aka Russell Swilly. Let's get to it. African Liberation Media, this is Gullah Jack. Once again, I'm here with the brothers. We are broadcasting in close proximity to Independence Boulevard. Just a couple of passing thoughts. I'll be very brief. We have a, a distinguished guest. Um, black people upset. St. Mueller not being able to bring down Khan Don. Uh, we've been preoccupied with this, a critical mass of African Americans to the exclusion of our own individual our own development, rebuilding African infrastructure, rebuilding African community, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, brothers, I did see, I think it was Barr, an article written on uh, the African descendants of slaves and the misguidedness of this whole preparation. In fact, um, uh, you might find of interest former Senate staffer Yvette Carnell sits on the board Founded by John Tanton, white supremacist. You know, clearly this is a sister who's a failed opportunist. CNN, uh, Primetime Lies, MSNBC, Fox would like to have uh, someone who is of African extraction espousing the conservative ideas of the Trumpster and others, uh, Zionist and the apartheid state, it appears, have developed a kindred spirit with the Eidos leadership, African defense, descendants of slaves. Uh, we've seen this game being played before. Uh, you know, why align yourself with racists? Why align yourself with racists? I'm reminded of uh, George Lincoln Rockwell back in the day in Macaroo, uh, forming an association with... Uh, the nation of Islam, you know, why do we need racists to validate our claims towards sovereignty? Mm. That's an unholy alliance, you know, but clearly in the case of Carnell, we can say an old axiom applies here. No instrument of power is effective as taking a man or woman potentially to the mountaintop and showing them the kingdom below. Uh, Stokely told us, Dr. Teray, at least Judas had the decency to kill himself. Negroes scrambling for 30 pieces of silver. This is the African Liberation Media. Uh, Brother Almost, we segue to you so you can introduce our guests. Beaver for Hodier, Gullah Jack, Beaver for Hodier, African family. Tonight we have in the studio with us a very distinguished brother, a warrior, a true warrior. Uh, you know, oftentimes we use that word loosely. Um, but in this struggle, in this fight for African liberation, it's not too many people that you can call where you know this person is trained because they train on an everyday basis. And this is not just something that they do, but this is a lifestyle that they live. Uh, brother Sifu, Stephen Muhammad, how you doing tonight, brother? Uh, doing excellent, brother. Hope you are. I say, well, for those of you who don't know who Sifu is, if you're not in the Charlotte area, uh, Sifu, if you could, just give our listeners a brief introduction of your background, what you do, and what you do in the community. Um, well, I started in the arts uh, back in... 2000, no, right, right at the end of 90, maybe 99, 98. And um, started with some regular Japanese karate um, and uh, moved from that, found a Wing Chun instructor, very beautiful brother, uh, Sultan Shahid. Uh, he did some things on That's Incredible. I mean, the brother was awesome uh, in Wing Chun. 
And from that, uh, I ran into Dr. Moses Powell, and uh, that's the system I'm working out of now. Really a combination of it all put together, but um, I I say my focus in the community um, has always been there, and um, being um, on different security details and things of that nature, you know, I was always thinking that if something happened, what would be the cleanest way to uh, quiet this so that whatever event was still going on, people would not even know that something had happened. So in that, you know, I saw bringing people into compliance or learning how to control myself to the degree that my balance was such and my insight was such that I could um, assist whoever was on or whatever show I was doing that, you know, I'd be able to get the people that were trying to mess things up out of there and nobody would even know or be the wiser. Um, and going further community-wise, um, dealing with Brother Sundiata at the Crossroads, uh, he brought me down and we did uh, some training during the summer for some of the youth, and that went well. But consistency um, is just something we have to do better about in our communities. You know, that, that group was a really good group, but... Um, having a better, well-put-together plan as far as the families being involved and them really being able to understand what uh, Brother Sundiata was trying to offer or trying to give. Um, the thing about martial arts is that, you know, it's really not about the fight, you know, like most people think. It, it really is about you understanding who you are and learning how to control yourself, that you'll be able to conduct yourself and show your best self everywhere you go because you don't have fear. You know, you're not dealing with that. You're dealing with confidence, meaning that you can be your own self. And a lot of people don't have that. So, um, yeah, so for the community piece, I mean, I'm out there all the time, and, and I love it. But, you know, we really, really should have this, like what they call some third-world countries. Uh, they do martial arts. It's a daily activity, mm-hmm. you know, and we should be doing the same thing, you know. You talked about Moses Powell. Um could you educate the people on who Moses Powell was? Uh, just a brief background on Moses Powell and his importance. Yes, sir. Uh, Dr. Moses Powell um, was a brother that started um, teaching real heavy in New York. And my history is only going so far because, you know, I'm a baby in the teaching as far as my instructors. Some of them are 40 years and 50 years in the game. Um, you know, I've been teaching now for a little over 20 years. So um, I know Moses from a distance, you know, and um, but I know that he was the same way. He was in the community all the time. My instructor that I have right now uh, met Moses when he was 13, and uh, his name is Jimmy. And um, Moses saw him fighting two guys at one time in New York. You know, this is where they all were, New York. Um, and, uh, after he finished dealing with these two brothers, which he whooped them, you know, Moses, you know, talked to him and explained to him, you know, um, you should come on down to the dojo so we can give you, you know, I see what you got, but we want to give it to you where you'll be able to really leverage that versus, you know, just, I'm out here fighting somebody, you know, let's mm-hmm. turn that thing around where you can help some of the other brothers. And, um, so his system, Sanuka's. Um, he, I mean, he had so many powerful instructors under him and he raised such a group that, uh, it'll never die. But a lot of people, yeah, they don't know about Dr. Moses Powell. Um, I give you this little bite. Um, a lot of things you see, you, you don't know what you're looking at. So let's say, um, this brother that did Black Panther, um, the main character trained with one of Dr. Moses Powell's students, uh, Bill McLeod, in New York. So um, he had some other instructors. Most people that do martial arts, they have numerous instructors, but that was one of his instructors. So, um, and Bill McLeod does have a studio in New York now. I mean, it's it's a really big group out there. Um, but down south, a lot of people don't know about it. So, so this brother, uh, he started his own system. His own system called Sanuka's Ryu. Yes, sir. And uh, what a lot of people don't know, too, is that oftentimes 
you know, African people don't get the credit for, you know, much of what exists today, as we call martial arts today. Um, and in many cases, um, we look down upon, in some cases, um, especially from Europeans and others uh, who feel that we, not, we do not belong in these arts. Uh, but this brother, Moses Powell, started his own system, uh, a, a, not only a credible system, but a, a dynamite system sure. that, uh, that's used for, for self-defense. And uh, one of the primary systems that, that's used to train the FOI uh, many of the FOI members trained under this system that was created by a black man, Moses Powell. Right. Yes, sir. Well, um, I mean, he trained FBI. He trained all kinds of, you know, facets of people. And I'm saying that because, yeah, we have him in the community, but he was able to turn some of the minds of the people that we were going to be facing eventually in the future as well. Mm. So we have some other people out there that are trained in his system that you wouldn't know it, but when you run up on them, they're going to end up helping you instead of hurting you because they already know who you are hmm. when they see you coming. They've been trained. They think that way. I got some instructors right now that have never been you know, in the nation. Some of them, you would call them white or whatever. They give you the greetings like we give each other the greetings, and they respect that. So it's like, like you said, it's a way of life, and it really helps to open a person or expose them to more vantage points than the mainstream. And that's what a lot of people, they can't move outside of the mainstream, so they can't see value in what it is you offering them. So what initially piqued your interest into into starting training? Um, well, you know, in the 80s, Kung Fu Theater. You know, <laughs> it's like, hey man, you be in there watching that joint till your eyes close. And they just had them coming back to back, back to back. But, uh, you know, in the neighborhood, we didn't really have uh, instructors that were on that level. So, you know, you might go to the karate guy, but you're looking at him. You know, like I took my children one time to this guy's school. It was a brother. And I heard he was strong. I wouldn't say his name, but... You know, everybody said, yeah, he's good. And uh, so I let them go in there, and they did their thing. And when they came out, you know, I, I got out of there. I let, okay, y'all focus with him. Y'all seen what we do. Y'all go in there with him. So when they came out, they said, yeah, um, he talked too much. Mm. And um, he moved us too slow. I mean, it was boring. And so the system that Moses put together, man, it's like, if you see it, it's a beautiful system, but it's not about competition. It's about making it home at life, making mm -hmm. it home at night. And if you know the life in New York, you know what they were up against. You know, Moses used to always say, um, you ask him, how was it in New York? He say, um, well, you can't walk around there lost because somebody will find you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is what we deal with even in the South, but we don't deal with it in such a way because we say it's not such a problem. But you should always be on the front end of any problem. Strategy says if you wait to be defensive, you're already too late. Mm -hmm. You need to be on the offense. So you say self-defense. I understand that because everybody understands that thinking. But it really should be self-offense, mm -hmm. meaning that you are always looking and observing and being aware of what's going on in your surroundings. And a lot of our people, they just don't have that. They don't have that thought of being sharp everywhere I go, and I need to watch and watch over my. I like they don't. They're not doing that, and so the martial arts wakes you up to a lot of simple things. All of the stuff we do really is simple. You know, you learn it in the drill, and then once you get the drill down pat, you don't really have to think about it anymore. Yeah, this is all muscle memory. Yeah, muscle memory, and uh, it's just the fact that your body likes to move but you have to train it how to move, that it moves in a way that is um, leveraging what you have, that you're always keeping yourself safe. You know, anytime you find yourself back down in the corner, I mean, really, you should have never got there. Hmm. You know, Moses always said that, um, you know, when they got those that punch, you shouldn't be on the other end. Well, why? You know, you should be ready. Stay ready. And, um, you know, most of our people, they just, they don't have um, this tool to pull out of their bag. They don't have it in their pocket. Mm. 
Mm. You know, they heard about it and they went so to some of the karate schools, but it's not in there. You know, what Moses put together, man, it was 100% love. You know, and I can't say it any other way than that. That's exactly what it was. From the core of who you are, you were radiating that love. So you're not going out here putting your hands on people trying to hurt them. That's the last thing on your mind because you have witnessed pain mm-hmm. in its utmost. I mean, people think um, I can die by the gun. Yeah, you can, but it's a lot of things worse than that pistol because that pistol will close your eyes. When you get locked up and somebody pulling on your joints and snapping them, <laughs> yo, man, you asking for the pistol. <laughs> man, give me, go ahead and put me to sleep, man, because this pain right here is ex- un- extraordinary. And that was some of the kind of pain that he put on us and his instructors to give to us so that, you know, it will show you, okay, yeah. before you put your hands on somebody, look at what you get ready to do to them, you know? So you got to feel it before you can give it. You know, it, it don't happen the other way around. And that's the only way you know how when you become an instructor to take your student to the limit and then back it down and take him as far as he think he can't go to the next level, you take him to that level and then you back it down. But that's your relationship with him. But if you just a, you know, nobody's average. But if you just, you know, a regular person in the community that's never been trained, you don't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. So it, it really it's a detriment to our community because it will really help us to align our forces and see how we can see value in each other. But most people in the community don't feel like they have anything to give. And that's why here I'm trying to do as much as I can to raise more instructors because the martial arts life is a beautiful life, man. It is really a beautiful life. It is a beautiful way of life. Uh, You think about dealing with weapons and things like this, but, you know, those are just extensions of you dealing with yourself. And it, it, you take the nunchuck and you flip it around and you're going to get popped in the head with it a couple of times. I mean, that's just what happens. But in it, you learn how to stay close with a weapon or stay close with people and not get hurt. But also how to maneuver and how to get your body to move in such a way that you never thought you could. So, you know, martial arts is a, it's a definite, definite need that we are lacking right now in our community. And just like we talked earlier about the sister, um, you know, I, I let you kind of get the story when you can, but, you know, some sister at her home and some Caucasian man that came in, you know what I mean? Our sisters go through this all the time. The video that they had up of the sister, the guy pulled the gun and or, or something, and she tried to use her cell phone to record him, and he slapped it out of her hand, and she slapped him. But when she slapped him, she stepped back. Anytime you hit anybody, you go in. You never come out. Close distance. Close distance. Tight. So even if they have a weapon, they won't be able to use it. You can't. The man can't use the gun if you're right in front of his face. He don't have an angle to pull the trigger from if you know what you're doing. So, um, but, yeah, most of our people think that distance is your friend, but distance is not your friend. It's like what's happening on the negative side of a relationship or the positive is the same when you're in a relationship with a woman and you say okay well when we got distance we separated that's not good that's right same (laughs) thing on the street me and this guy that's supposed to be my enemy distance is not good that's right well you know we talked uh a couple of weeks back and we were just talking about different situations everything that we were seeing that was taking place um in the community and also out there on the internet and social media. And this is it's another example every day. Yes, sir. Of why this should be your top priority. Right. To to keep yourself prepared, keep yourself ready, keep yourself alert and right. and, and trained. Right. So that you will be prepared. Yeah, and it's like, okay, I'll give you this example. Most of the sisters I know, they chose the mate that they are with now only due to some type of fear that they had. And you say, Well, what does that mean? I mean, you know, you say, well, I need to get a guy that's doing well for himself and then he'll take care of me and then we'll go on and make a family and these type of things. Well, if the sister already knows how to take care of herself, I'm not saying she doesn't need him for that, but she feels more confident that she can go out and do whatever she needs to do for herself. And then as she chooses a mate, she'll choose one that is kind of on her level mm-hmm. because she's trained. And so now she knows certain things to look for. She's worked with herself, 
so she knows how to work with someone else. But a lot of times you get sisters and it's just based off of this guy look like this and, okay, the sister look like that, and then this is why we together. And then now we got history. <laughs> uh, I, history is not enough mm-hmm. for you to say that this is the person I'm going to spend my life with and grow with and develop But that's not what it is. But most people, they just they don't know themselves enough. And then once they get into marriage, they start learning who they are. And then, I ain't going to say it's too late, but if that's not managed well, then, you know, that relationship sours due to whatever miscommunications or, you know, I didn't know that I was this way. And then now I'm in it with somebody else. Okay, what y'all going to do? And a lot of our relationships and our communities, you know, they end. So for the people that's in Charlotte, um, for the people that are interested that may be listening to you right now, listening to this podcast, how can they how can they get in contact with you? How can they start training? Or, or, where, where are you teaching at now? Um, we just picked up a new spot off North Tryon. Um, I would say the best way to get in touch with me to is to go on Eye to Eye Combat on Instagram. That's probably the best way you can leave a DM and. Uh, I leave the number as well, but the eye-to-eye combat, that way you can kind of review some of the things we're about. You review some of the techniques, the movements. Um, But my biggest focus, even when I started in martial arts, um, I I was training myself and a group of sisters, they were going back and forth to the homeless shelter or the battered women's shelter. I'm sorry, it was the battered women's shelter, dealing with domestic violence. And so they said, well, can you give us some classes? And at that time, I was like a green belt or... You know, I, I didn't really have a belt. And um, I told him, hey, you know, I don't really, I'm not at a teach level, um, so I don't think I'm good. You should get one of my instructors. And they said, no, we got you. You right here. We don't have to travel. Just give us some, you know, something simple. And from that, that's when I started teaching. That was 97, and uh, I gave the first class, and it went so well, and we start doing it again. So my focus has always been the sisters because I feel like the stuff is so simple that if they had it and were able to train with it for even just a couple of months, they would feel so much better about going out and what to look for and how to keep away from this and how to keep distance. You know, just like when we do the, um, the gun training, you know, uh, concealed carry, working with Black Diamond. You know, you might draw your weapon, but if you don't know that distance, you might not be able to get, you're reaching for the weapon and you should really be reaching for the attacker because he's too close. Mm-hmm. There's no way you're going to be able to draw that weapon fast enough to deal with him. And these are just basic things that you need to learn. And so with the sisters, I've always said before they go to college, you know, when they're in grade school, people bullying them. I mean, martial arts is a must. You should send them somewhere with somebody that's competent for three months, four months, they need to have some real, okay, I'll give you three things. How to, how to get, escape from a choke, how to escape from abduction, meaning somebody grabbing one of your arms and trying to make you go with them, how to um, deal with a basic punch, and how to deal with somebody grabbing you from behind. So that's four. These four things they should run, and when I say run, I mean do them a couple of hundred to a couple of thousand times. And it don't take long, but after that, they'll feel really secure to be able to execute those things when somebody is aggressive with them. So, again, uh, eye-to-eye combat is E-Y-E, the number two, E-Y-E, combat on Instagram. And then um, one of the phone numbers is 803-431-5303. And, again, like I said, I'm looking to help raise some more instructors in Charlotte. Why not? What is Charlotte known for? NASCAR? Okay, well, well, what can we give to the community? Let's give them some more instructors. I got two more instructors that want to come this way, but I got to build enough population of students that want it and is hungry. And I'm going to tell you now, this kind of training that we give is hard. So just know that. Don't come in there looking for, oh, well, I saw this guy do a cotter. We are not about doing cotters. This guy's going to be put down. You have three seconds in a fighting situation. If you've gone longer than three seconds, you're doing it all wrong. Not Uh you're doing something wrong. You've done it all wrong. Fights happen in fractions of seconds. Uh So you got about three seconds, and I'm giving you some room with that. 
So if you know that you're not on that level, you need to get some training. You don't have to train with me, but I'm the only person in North Carolina, South Carolina right now teaching Sanukas. So this system of touch and go that Moses gave and my wing chun instructor gave, they were all sharp. Um, but, yeah, you got the information. Out of eye combat, you had the phone number. Um, please let us get some more instructors. And I'm glad that you mentioned that last point because sometimes I just watch fights even on the Internet just to watch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, people post fights all the time, right. whether it's on World Star mm-hmm. Hip Hop or YouTube or whatever. And these fights go on for two, three, four, five minutes. Yep. You see people huffing and puffing right. and you know running out of breath and mm-hmm. you know swinging wild and grabbing hair and, right. and and all of these things. But like you stated, if you if you really train, you should be able to end the fight instantly. Right, because you're always planning for multiple attackers. You, I mean, mm. no nobody comes by themselves. On to the next one. Yeah, so normally, you know, it's going to be three or four people, and they're not on your side. So, you know, you don't have time to deal. If, if you're using your power, that's going to run out. But if you're using technique, and when I say technique, I don't mean a particular exact. No, I'm saying technique is learning how to leverage basic physics of your own body against somebody else's body. If, if you don't know how to do that, then, yeah, you're going to weigh yourself out. And you might win, and your muscles might be big or whatever. You might win, but you're going to be tired. Mm-hmm. So. Let me ask you this, uh, uh, Brother Seifu. You know, when I was a student at, at Malcolm X, we had uh, mandatory martial arts training. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a guy that was, uh, our instructor was a former Marine. He had trained in. Japan, primarily in judo, but, okay. he, but he was also proficient in taekwondo. So every morning we did we did about a 20, 30-minute run. Then we went to the gym. Mm-hmm. So some days we would, we would swim instead of running. But anyway, um, in descri- describing the system, would... Uh, in, in terms of things that, that people might relate to, in terms of, say, uh, punches, kicks, blocks, mm-hmm. uh, various uh, escape mechanisms. Yes, sir. How would you describe, I mean, is Dr. Powell's system, is it like a combination of, of all of those? Because, you know, a lot of instructors will take women and say the first thing we want to teach you how to do is kick a man in his man area oh, yeah. to uh, to do that but uh, <laughs> but just in just in term in terms of how would you des- how would you describe the system obviously we, we we don't we don't have a video here but for somebody can can you just describe to them what they would they would be learning in terms of both offensive and defensive uh moves yes sir um so, first thing is the kick to the groin, that gets no airplay because uh, most of the young brothers now are wearing the pants so low that, <laughs> you know, you're not going to get your foot in there. So, and uh, when I say young brothers, I'm saying the young population because, you know, white and black and Chinese, it don't matter. We create culture. They're following that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the kick to the groin, no, that's you're not going to get that in. Um, now, the other thing is uh, – Moses taught um, judo, aikido, jujitsu. Um, I see some pieces of Wing Chun in the system. So he had a lot of really good students. Soki Lil John Davis, um, uh, Kumiteru. He, uh, I think that some of their system was Shotokan. So everybody had some different pieces, but he would put all of that together in the same pot. To me, Sanuka says simplicity, but all of those pieces went into that pot. So the judo, um, the aikido, whatever system somebody does, karate, not too many people I saw had that, but most people that get jujitsu have another system first. Like I had Wing Chun first. Somebody else might have Japanese karate. Somebody else might have something else. And then they put the jiu-jitsu with it. So um, he he was really good. And then with the weapons, the college sticks, I mean, it was a lot of pieces to Moses that people never saw, but some of the students are training with. 
And um, so that would be the best way I could describe his system was anything you can think of that was taught, if he saw it, like like my Wing Chun instructor, he came up with his own style, the baboon style. It was a very low-range uh, fighting system, and low center of gravity is what you're looking for in martial arts. Mm-hmm. Once you learn how to connect with that, then it's going to be easy for you to slip in and slip out some of these moves that you're learning. But you got to learn how to harness that power that you have. You have it, but somebody's going to have to kind of show you how to reach for it. And once you feel it, oh, it's over with. You know, nobody can take it from you. That's one thing about learning and why I say what I say about the system. And I want to deal with this real quick because uh, uh, some people don't know. Financial. Most martial arts classes now is $35 per session. I don't care if you got three children and, you know, and people come in there thinking, you know, all right, well, I should get a lower price. Well, most of the time when you go out to eat, you spend 100 $120. You might spend $50. Okay, that's something you're eating. This training is going to be with you for the rest of your life. It's a trade. If if you go to Mexico and, and travel for something or whatever, this trade is with you. Mm-hmm. So if your your child has learned one good year, especially in our system, you take a yellow belt in our system and then you take a black belt in somebody else's system, that yellow belt is going to wipe that black belt. And if you don't know about belts, then you got to ask somebody how that goes. But I've seen that happen. I've seen black belts come in the studio and they got their car there and flip, flip this and okay, I got it and put them up there with one of the yellow belts. Now, you won't test. So, you know, it might be one year, it might be two years before you test for your yellow belt. But when you get it, you got it. Mm-hmm. So that that's something you got to look for too. I've seen a lot of schools here that give them all of these little stripes on the belt. Oh yeah, Johnny's doing so good. Johnny's gonna get wiped up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot, a lot of that's just designed to make money. That's anyway. it. I mean, keep people. The other thing is that, uh, of course, you know, we we met over at uh, Crossroads, or more specifically, Uhuru Sasa Restoration Academy, which mm-hmm. was which was uh, the brainchild of Brother Ayatunde Sundiata. And the the motivation for that was the killing of Trayvon Martin. Yes, sir. That, that's 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 what motivated it. And we were sitting in a meeting uh, one night, uh, one of the sessions at the Mayo's place one Wednesday night. And Brother Sundiata posed a question. He said, "What could Trayvon Martin have done to stay alive? Hmm. What could he have done to stay alive?" And so we we started dissecting the the information, mm-hmm. you know, as it had been presented based on, based on what we knew, of, yes, you know, based on him being stalked and every, everybody pitched in different ideas as to, you know, how he might've, how he might've survived. Right. And uh, so when, when we, when we got together and formed uh, Yuhuru Sasa, it was based around that. And mm-hmm. the, the three things that he came up with was uh, consciousness, mm-hmm. Uh, technical skills and self-defense or self-offense skills. Yes, sir. Because with with the proper skills, being in 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 the close contact that he was with yes, Zimmerman, mm-hmm. he could have easily, you know, put him down. It's like you know one of one of my instructors always told me. He said, "Look, if three pounds of, of pressure on the temporal artery, yes, sir, is is going to give some." a person some degree of, of a concussion right just three pounds of pressure on, on the temporal artery mm-hmm. so uh, so you know and, and and that's why you know you were brought in to do that and sure. and that's something that, you know as we were talking about earlier that's needed today we see uh brother Seifu, and i that the thing that, that anybody's been been trained learns first is discipline right that's the first thing you learn yes sir if you don't have any discipline you can't you can't learn you can't do anything right uh, what would you say in in the context of discipline? Because we got all of these uh, MAGA folks and other white folks out there that's yes. just going berserk right now. Right. Just walking up to people, starting all kind of senseless arguments over a, a, a parking space, right. or you know why you why you throwing newspapers on why you cutting the grass i mean mm-hmm. all kind of just ridiculous stuff right so what would you say just this for a person no training whatsoever mm-hmm. when they are approached by 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 one of these neanderthugs okay 
what would you what what would you say to them in terms of what their response should be? I'm, I'm talking about a person now with with just no training because right. because what we usually see and what gets a lot of people killed is a lot of people fall into their orbit of ignorance. Right. You know, it's, it's their their ignorance is like gravity. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it, it just it just sucks a lot of us in because they because we get caught up in in emotions right right they start using the n word and all of that and then all of a sudden boom you know we we blown totally out of the water right. we lost all our focus and everything right. and then we start arguing with them right and then the next thing you know you know the, the guys pulled a gun right and shot somebody mm -hmm. when you know you could be I, I I had a conversation with a clan. Deputy Sheriff in America's Georgia okay. in 1971, mm -hmm. and it was just he and I. But it was it was in broad daylight, and it was it was a whole lot of people around. Okay. But my thing was, he's armed, I'm not. But I got to be close enough to him mm -hmm. to disarm him. Yes, sir. By any means necessary. Yes, sir. If I'm away from him, I can't do it. But yes, sir. but just just what what would you say to the people that are being confronted by these Neander thugs out there in Walmart and in mm. places like that. All right. Well, I would say number one, um, it's your own mindset, and you, you be in the offensive game. You know, you never get pulled into somebody else's conversation. You never get pulled into a fight. You know, a trained person wouldn't let that happen, and you not being trained, you can do the same thing. So it, agree with them. Whatever they saying, okay, you got a big water head. Oh, thank you for noticing. You know, um, whatever it is they're coming at you with, agree with them. And as you're agreeing with them, check your surroundings. Check what you need to do next. The other part to that is stay on go. This is what I tell my students all the time. I don't care if you're doing concealed carry. I don't care what it is you're doing, security. It doesn't matter. Stay on go. What does that mean? Don't think that this is not getting ready to happen. Know that it's getting ready to happen. So as soon as he flinch, you should be in a position to handle that situation. Always have your hands up. Never your hands in your pocket behind your back, uh, cross your arms, negative. All of that stuff, you got to keep your hands in front of you. That always gives you some kind of defense, even though you're not doing anything with it at the time. And also, if anybody catches on video, they're saying, okay, well, this person is trying to stop that from happening. You know, they, they can easily see who's the aggressor when you keep your composure, keep your hands up. It's showing them, okay, so the first person that would come helping that situation, they're coming on your side. So you got to be able to calm down enough. Don't let them get you riled up. Some people are very easy to anger, especially when you're not confident about what you can do. But when you are confident about what you can do, you're going to be quiet. Yeah, because cursing these people and I, no, you, 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 you're not serving any purpose, and it's gonna wear you out. Exactly, because you, you, because you're using energy. Right, you're using energy that you might need in a few minutes. So the best thing is be as calm as possible, and then as soon as they touch you, okay, that's when they sign the contract. And it would be good if you had some training so that you could really get that good delivery and let them meet Jesus, because that's what they needed. You know, some people, yeah, they just wigged out, and as soon as you touch them a couple of times, they're like, oh. They calm right down. Mm -hmm. yeah, so, yeah, it would be an advantage to the community for more people to be trained that when things happen, then now they're like, okay, I'm not really sure who has the training. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they would think twice about it. Yeah. When they go up against that, I'm not pulling a weapon. Mm -hmm. But, you know, most of the time when I'm doing a technique on somebody, people ask me all the time, what did he just do? I just did it right in front of you. It's not that I'm moving so fast. It's that I have clarity in the movement. So I know exactly where I'm going. So when you stay on go, you know exactly where to go. Your time gap is really, you go back to that three seconds again. Because you want to control the situation and bring them into compliance. Or if nothing else, get yourself out of there. Mm -hmm. But if it's you and your family, hey, man, you know, you got to handle that a different way. So many different vantage points. You know, people talk about aggressions. You know, somebody's trying to kill you or somebody's trying to steal your money. Somebody's trying to steal your girl. It's all kind of different fights out there. So you need to know how to respond to each one of them in a way that you're going to benefit. Gotcha. Sir. Well, brother, we definitely appreciate you for coming on and, uh, and, and giving your insight. Yes, sir. Uh, because our people, you know, we definitely need it. Yes, sir. And, um, 
it's often sad to, to see, you know, these situations constantly repeated over and over again. We have to ask ourselves how much of a wake-up call do we need to get prepared? Right. And uh, it's one of the things you can't take for granted. So um, especially to the sisters out there, as Brother Sifu has stated, um, it's, it's of the utmost importance that you train um, and also that you, you know, get your concealed carry as well. Uh, so that you be prepared, prepared on all levels. Um, I know we talked about a situation that you wanted to touch on earlier uh, with the pedophile mm. that broke into the, the the sister's house, and they had to deal with that situation. <clears throat> Another situation where training comes into play and being prepared to handle an intruder. Talk about that situation, Baba Makaru, what happened in that situation. Well, my daughter, who actually surfaces it and does more research than I do, believe it or not, she came across this story out of uh, Louisville, I think it was in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, a pedophile uh, came through the window of, of a home that was occupied by uh, an 11-year-old black girl, her mother and her mother's boyfriend. And the 11, 11-year-old girl demonstrated a, a remarkable composure and discipline in 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 remaining quiet in in getting herself in a position where she could notify her parents or the the adults in the home that that there was an intruder and even managing to to you know get away uh the intruder uh, the the uh, the adult man in the home the brother in the home confronted the the intruder in the kitchen and I don't know how much of this story is actually what happened or is is the way it's, it's been framed because believe it or not you can in the process of defending yourself in your home you can actually be charged which is just absolutely unbelievable in 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 in, in this country but supposedly uh there was a confrontation in the in in the kitchen after the brothers said that he asked the intruder to leave, which is somewhat unbelievable in in, in my mind. But anyway, uh, and they had they had a confrontation, and apparently the the pedophile actually had the brother, according to one story, uh, you know, in a in 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 a position where he you know had the pedophile had the advantage, and he asked the yeah, the the female in the home to toss him a weapon, and he did, and he managed to fire off six shots. The pedophile uh, was managed uh, managed to escape, so apparently a lot of shots didn't hit. Or maybe he wasn't trying to hit him. I don't know, but the pedophile did wind up showing up in court in a wheelchair, so uh, he had he had he had some some degree of of injury. Uh, one of the more interesting things about this is the way this story was reported. I read two stories out of uh, the media in Louisville. Neither one of them mentioned anything about the fact that this guy uh, has been charged with sexually assaulting and impregnating a 15-year-old girl. So so he was, you know, a, a, a pedophile, a criminal, uh, you know, sex offender, sexual offender. And they didn't. They didn't even report that. Actually, it was uh, D.L. Hughley who got the information from, from somebody. D.L. seems to come up with a lot of information. He got the information from somebody, and um, so the so the guy the guy has been charged. But interestingly, he didn't have any charges. Yeah, he, he was charged with breaking and entering when he when he took when he took off his pants in the room apparently uh, to try to rape the young girl. Uh, a packet of uh, opioids or heroin or something fell out of his pocket, so he got charged with that, and then he had a couple of other charges, but some of the most serious charges, I, they did. it's amazing how these people don't get the most serious charges, but anyway, that situation happened. Luckily for them, uh, they did have a, a weapon was necessary in order for them to, uh, to, to get rid of the guy, apparently, but, you know, that just goes to, that just goes to show that that you have to have some level of defense. I don't care what it is. You got to you got to have some level of defense. There was another story about a 67-year-old grandmother down in Florida. Uh, thir- a 300-pound black man, and he was also in his underwear, tried to break in her home, and, and she met him at the door with a Louisville slugger. 
I don't know if it was a Hank Aaron or a Willie Mays model, but anyway, she 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 cold cocked him uh, with, with a baseball bat. So you got to have something. You, you got to have something, and I mean, obviously, a combination of of everything because sometimes you may not be able to get to your weapon, or it may, it, it, you you may not, you know, unless you like uh, Robert and Mabel Williams, who had about forty guns scattered throughout their home. You know, you you you, you may not be able to get to a weapon. So then, then, then you got to rely on your your physicality. But what could a sixty-seven year old, sixty-seven year old black woman do against a three hundred pound Negro? I don't know. But uh, you know th those things. Um, you know those things just just happen, man. And they they seem to be happening with more and more frequency because I mean this is a society, quite frankly, that's just that that is out of control. And and it and it's and it's produced uh, a lot of people, a lot of people who just engage in what what we would think is just the most insane activities. Uh, I remember when I was growing up, I'm the oldest person in here. We never heard that, that there, there were homes that were broken into. You know, most often not in in our neighborhood because our community was pretty poor. But in some neighborhoods, you would hear about, you know, somebody, you know, let's say like a, maybe a, quote unquote, the small black middle class neighborhood. Somebody broke into somebody's home while the, while the people were at work. People now will come in your home while you're in the house. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's crazy. They will break right in your home while you are in the house uh -huh. with absolutely no fear. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I mean, I don't care what the law says in my mind. When you come in my home, I'm obligated to defend myself by any means necessary. When you came in the home, you assaulted me. Uh -huh. When you when when you came through my threshold, mm -hmm. you know you assaulted me just like uh, Martin Delaney said about uh, mm -hmm. about who was it? Was it Buchanan? I think Buchanan was the president before Lincoln. They passed the Fugitive Slave Act, which allowed them to capture people who had liberated themselves from slavery, but they also wound up capturing a lot of people who had never been in slavery. They just claimed they had. And Martin R. Delaney said, and he said this about the president of the United States. He said, if the president of the United States crosses my threshold, if I don't send him to his grave, then I, I hope that the grave rejects my soul. Mm. That's mm -hmm. what Martin Delaney said. I say Delaney was serious. <laughs> Delaney was serious, and then you know he went on to become a major in the in the in the Union Army. Uh, one one other thing, I, I, I want I'm just going going around rambling here. There was a story this week about this white terrorist who uh, was uh, a lieutenant in the Coast Guard, and he he planned, he said, to carry out a level of violence in, that this country has never seen. And he had drawn up this hit list of several uh, prominent people, media people, along with you know several politicians, including presidential candidates like Booker and Harris and uh, Congress uh, people like uh, Waters and, and uh, Pelosi and, and some others. And the, uh, his plot was, was discovered and and he was initially charged with uh, he had he had he had a felony arms a gun charge and a misdemeanor drug charge. They found him with some kind of opioids or something or another. This guy had maximum security clearance in the U.S. Coast Guard. Maximum. This guy could spy on anybody anywhere in the world, or oh, he had access to that information. Okay, in the U.S. Coast Guard which the U.S. military is full of white supremacists along with the police force in this country. So, so he, had, he had those charges, and the, and the prosecutor said that it was definitely a case of domestic terrorism threatening all, all of these people, right? He said it was his plans. Uh, he was modeling himself after this uh, Neander thug in Norway that killed a whole bunch of uh, school children or somewhere in the park. So he was, he was gonna kill all of these people. This week we find out that the prosecutors have decided not to charge him with terrorism. Not to charge him with terrorism. 
no no charges and getting back to what you're saying you would think that with all these high profile people nancy pelosi and chuck schumann all the rest of these uh political tricksters they would have been raising cane but they seem to be so focused on uh the Mueller report and the russians they haven't even said anything no one has said anything about this guy not being charged with domestic terrorism but last August, the, the FBI came out with this fictitious label called Black Identity uh, Extremist. And there was a brother, Brother Bullagun, down in Texas who was actually arrested and had to go to jail because the FBI identified him as a Black Identity Extremist. And he had a concealed carry permit. And they took his gun. And they said, based on some Facebook posts, he was a threat. And this brother wound up spending several months in jail. Uh, he was a single parent, had his child. His child had to find somewhere to live. He winds up losing his job and whatnot. And you know how they found out about him? They, The FBI first became aware of who he was when he was down in Texas doing an open carry demonstration with the right. and alex jones channel Infowars, right covered the story so the fbi had been watching Infowars. Mm -hmm. then they find out who bolagon was right and then they started researching him looked into his facebook information and then they uh, raided his apartment raided his apartment right he he was uh after one of the killings i can't remember which one it was now they had uh the the huey p newton gun club mm -hmm. in dallas and Texas, Texas is an open carry state. So they they had an open carry protest, which we see white people doing all the time. I mean, they the white people had an open carry protest in front of an NAACP office. They were standing out in front of an NAACP office. I believe it was in Houston. It was somewhere in Texas. And 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 so, I mean, this is this is like the Ku Klux Klan out there, you know, burning a cross. You know, with, with with their sheets on, right? No different, no 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 charges whatsoever. But you're right. That's how they found out about him because he he was engaged in that because they they went walking through, uh, you know, with their AR-15s and everything else, right? And so that that's how they found out about him. But it, it's just amazing that 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 this guy can threaten. He not threatening got Gullah Jack and Amos. He's threatening the top democratic politicians in the country mm -hmm. like a trump hit list <laughs> but you had to ask the question when is the last time and i don't know if maybe it's never happened when is the last time they've charged a white person with terrorism domestic terrorism was it timothy mcveigh yeah they i i i, I can't remember yeah you, you you're probably right mm -hmm. you, you you you're probably right i mean mm -hmm. uh it it, it 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 may have been McVeigh. I, I I I'm sure I probably have some information somewhere about. Yeah, even then, I don't even know if they were they were even charging people with terrorism, because that was prior to what 2001, when they started really using that. that, that yeah, whole... I don't think he was charged with terrorism. I think he, you know, the, the language may have been used, uh, you know, but obviously he was. But the, but see, the interesting thing about about McVeigh and uh, Terry Nichols is that. And the same, the same with Dylan Roof and these other guys. They never connect them with an organization. With an organization, and they, uh, the white supremacists have. Uh, unless they kill Jews. Uh, unless they kill Jews, if if if, if they go in a synagogue mm -hmm. now, if they go in a synagogue, <laughs> then that's that that's a that, that that's a different story. But but on the average, if if the crime, if it's something that's, that's you know directed against us. You know, now obviously, if it's a person that, that practices Islam, then you know they 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 gonna connect him. But um, uh, what's the brother name? Uh, what was the brother name in Dallas? Almost that killed the police officers. Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson, yeah, Michael X Johnson. So they made sure they 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 they, they put the X there, right? And they said, oh. He had been a member of the Nation of Islam. He was associated with Black Lives Matter, the Black Riders Liberation Movement, the New Black Panther Party, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this is how, like, when that whole situation happened, you know, we got a lot of conspiracy theorists in the black community. People always like to use the term false flag. Don't they watch white, 
white people like Alex Jones and all these other, you know, conspiracy theorists, and they throw that stuff out there, and then we run with a false flag, false flag, false flag. Mm-hmm. When you saw that situation go down, the world, the media was hemorrhaging. They were so shook that they they, they grabbed the wrong suspect initially because they didn't know what was happening. That's, that's the number one sign it wasn't a false flag. Because mm-hmm. when it's a false flag or when it's a conspiracy, they have everything lined up ready Oh yeah, when it's to a be real, able to report. When it's a, when it's a real false flag, yeah, like you said, everything is lined so up. So they started, they started actually, they had no information on Johnson. Mm-hmm. So they started hemorrhaging and searching, going through his social media, trying to connect him with some, with other people. He had a picture with uh, mm. Professor Griff on his Facebook Professor page. Professor Griff, right. Now they're trying to connect him to Griff. Yeah, Quanell. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all of these, all of these um, examples that we've given today are prime examples of why we, we decided it was important to bring in our brother Seafood in here tonight because now, now we're talking about something that's practical, something you can do right now in your everyday life. Okay, we know a lot of you know, a lot of us are scared. We don't want to deal with you know the overall situation uh, of African people being oppressed. But the least that you can do is make sure that you're prepared to save yourself. Yes, exactly, exactly right. I mean, because you know, I always pose the question: Why does the African always have to die? Mm-hmm. Why does the African we but we don't always have to die. We have to be prepared to live. We got we have to say our lives are as valuable as anybody else's life. And you are not taking my life. Good point. You know, and it, you know, without some severe consequences, I mean like, you know, Robert Charles is my hero. You know, mm-hmm. they the brother <laughs> the brother out of New out of New Orleans in nineteen hundred. They came after him. You know, he, he he shot 27 and killed seven. He wound up losing his life, but I, I like his odds. I like I like I like that. Let me say one other thing, cause I know we run out of time. Um, I went to a one of the community forums that the uh, CMPD Charlotte Mecklenburg Police had this week. I went to the one at Little Rock Church. Uh, Chief uh, Kerr Putney. Uh, after after some news organizations forced the uh, police to release the body cam from uh, the white female officer, Wendy Curl, who killed uh, 26-year-old Dan Quiris uh, Franklin at the Burger King on Betis Ford Road. So Chief Putney felt that it was necessary to hold some community meetings to give people a chance to vent. And th- th- there was a lot of uh, absurd venting going on and 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 some serious comments um chief putney chief putney said that when we are confronted with the when the, by the police the three things we need he had he had this um powerpoint up he said and in his three uh, for lack of a better term bullet points were uh cooperation communication and de-escalation well, some some of us talked and said, well, he really should apply that to his police department. It should be de-escalation first. Mm-hmm. But 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 here's here's the interesting thing. Now, I don't know how many people have seen the video. We do have we do have the actual video where you know uh, you you get to actually see the shooting and see see the thing on on African Liberation Media. Mm. The 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 officer killed his brother within forty four seconds. Okay, so he, he, he made it 42 seconds longer than Tamir Rice. Tamir Rice only made it two seconds. Michael Brown was killed within 61 seconds. and But yet, uh, Dylan Roof is, this brother got killed at Burger King, and the, and, the, and the police take Dylan Roof to a Burger King to be fed. And uh, what was what was the, the the psychopath name out there in Aurora, Colorado? They See, they can, they can manage to arrest all of these mass killers. These people can go in and kill 5, 10, 15, 20 people. And the police can arrest them. But here's the thing. So in the video, uh, this officer, one officer already had had his gun drawn. The, the brother was squatted, talking to another brother in the car. And they had the guns drawn on him. Now they're responding to these calls that came from inside the Burger King. Okay, it's important to note that we have never we have not seen the, the video. Uh, from inside the Burger King, nor the the uh, the video from outside the Burger King, because I'm sure B- Burger King has video from inside and outside. 
Remarkably, we have not seen any cell phone video. That's almost unbelievable. My daughter and I were talking about this. How is it that we can, you know, every ignorant fight Negroes get in at Walmart, you got 50 people out there with cell phones, <laughs> right? <laughs> Nobody intervening, but everybody's filming. Um, but, 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 what, but what we saw was we saw them giving him conflicting instructions. This was the question I wanted to ask the chief, but you got these people, everybody that stands up thinks that they got to give a speech before they can ask a question. A lot of them need only, don't, don't even have a question, but they, they say, show your hands. Then they say, put the gun down, put the gun on the ground. Okay. All these people are screaming at you. And, and, and this is happening within a matter of seconds. And when the, when, when the brother has the gun, it appears by the barrel and he's attempting to drop it. He gets shot. And he, he said his last words were, you told me to put it on the ground, put it on the ground. Those were his last words. So I'm thinking that whatever, whatever happened with inside the Burger King, whatever might've been stressing his brother. If you know, if all of that, if the things that happen inside they say mm -hmm. happen. Um when when the police rolled up on his brother, he was probably trying to think, how do I stay alive? Because when 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 the officers said uh they was giving the instructions, all these conflicting instructions, and he said one time he said, I heard you the first time. So he was trying to communicate with them. Now, the fact of the matter is I think almost any move he made, he was going to get shot, in my opinion. Remember Charles Kinsey laying on his back in the street in Miami mm -hmm. with his hands up, getting shot, and they decided uh, last month that there would be no charges against the officer who shot this man laying in the street with his hands up. Okay? So I'm thinking that the, the brother, the, the, that the brother was thinking this, and when he tried to comply with the final instruction, he was killed. He was only given 44 seconds uh, by this aggressive officer. Look, one officer had, to, had, had his gun pointed at him. She walks in front of that officer. She tells him, I'm crossing over. It was like she wanted to take charge, you know, so that she could be in position to shoot this brother. And, but, but, he, but, he, but, he, but here's the point I wanted to make regarding the chief. And I put something about this today. I said, you know, the, the chief is up there giving us these lectures about transparency. The video was actually almost uh, 12 minutes. It was 11 minutes and some change. They only released two minutes of it. And they made a mistake and released the entire video uh, from uh, uh, to the city council and they, and they, and they told everybody. So what's on the other nine minutes? The judge, the, the judge's order was, show me the video and I'll decide whether it should be released. I, I went to the school with the brother that's the judge, Donnie Hoover. Mm. He's finished West Charlotte a couple of years before I did. He looked at, they, they only showed him the two minutes. They mm. didn't even show the judge the whole video. What are they trying to, what were they trying to hide? Now, apparently, the, the the nine minutes is I don't know if it's before or afterwards I, I because I, we don't know how they spliced it together, but the fact of the matter is, the chief is telling us to communicate, to be transparent. And in here you are not giving not showing the public everything that happened based on that. Not only that, all officers are required to have their bad body camera activated when they roll up on a scene like that. Mm -hmm. So people are asking, what about the body camera from the first officer that rolled up? Right. What did he see? It seems to never be enforced, but we are out of time. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, Brother Seif, we want to thank you for coming and joining us. Sir, thank you for having me. Definitely connect with his brother, Eye2Eye Combat on Instagram. That's E-Y-E, the number two E-Y-E Combat on Instagram and definitely get in contact with his brother so that you can start training, especially for the people that's here in the Charlotte community. 
This has been the African Liberation Media Podcast. You can find us on our website, AfricanLiberationMedia.com. You can also find information that we put out on Facebook and Instagram. Bebe for Hodier. Bebe for Power or the lack of power. I want to repeat this. Power or the lack of power. If your education in this institution is not about gaining real power, not job, because your jobs do not represent power. Not getting elected, that does not represent power either. You are buying your houses and fine clothes, does not represent power either. If it is not about real power, you are being miseducated and misled, and you will die educated and misled. If your study of black history is merely an exercise in feeling good about yourself, then you will die feeling good. The study of history then must be more than the pumping up of your self-esteem and the pumping up of your pride. Those things are important, but ultimately those things are not the means by which we will save ourselves as people in this world.